0: let's go ahead today and let's look in our Bibles together. We're going to look in 1 Samuel chapter 12. So I want you to, uh, or 2 Samuel, excuse me, 2 Samuel chapter 12. So let's let's turn there together. And uh, listen, God's Word, it's powerful and it's exciting to be able to study it. So I'd like you to do this. Although it's challenging sometimes, uh, I just want you to kind of Smile just a little bit and say, hey, this is God's Word. Here's a chance for me to be able to grow, to learn from it. And so let's look at it together. So we're going to pick up in verse 1 of of chapter 12. Here it says, Then the Lord sent Nathan to David. And he came to him and he said to him, By the way, when you go to a king and you're a prophet, you're sharing some message that's not easy, just think about how much courage Nathan had. What a godly man he is. He was well respected and David received him because he had a lot of respect for Nathan. And so Nathan shares, he said there were two men in one city, one rich, the other poor. The rich man had exceedingly many flocks and herds. But the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb which he had brought and nourished, which he had bought and nourished. And it grew up together with him and with his children. And he ate of its food and drank from its own cup and lay in its bosom. And it was like a daughter to him. And a traveler came to the rich man who refused to take from his own flock and from his own herd to prepare one for the wayfaring man who had come to him. But he took the poor man's land and prepared it for the man who had come to him. So David's anger was greatly aroused against the man. And he said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, the man who has done this, he shall surely die. And he shall restore fourfold for the lamb because he did this thing because he had no pity. And then David, then Nathan said to David, You, you are the man. And thus says the Lord God of Israel I anointed you king over Israel delivered you from the house of Saul I gave you your master's house your master's wives and in your keeping and gave you the house of Israel and Judah and if you had been if it, if that had been too little I also would have given you much more why have you despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight You have killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword. You have taken his wife to be your wife. You have killed him with the sword of the people of Ammon. And now therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house, because you have despised me. You have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. And thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will raise up adversity against you from your own house. And I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor. And he shall lie with your wives in the sight of the sun. For for you did it secretly. But I will do this thing before all Israel, before the sun. So David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, The Lord has also put your sin, put away your sin, and you shall not die. Whoever, because... By this deed, you have been given great occasion to the enemies of, of the Lord to blaspheme. The child who is born to you shall surely die. Then Nathan departed to his house. And Let's have prayer. Lord, will you bless us this morning as we study your word. May your Holy Spirit have a freedom and may you challenge us and help us so we can grow in wisdom and knowledge. We ask for your blessings and we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. I heard a... About, the, you know, the, the dumbest criminals. You've seen that show. And so I saw where a couple of uh, these criminals, they came in, they were going to rob. It was a boyfriend and girlfriend. And they were going to rob a convenience store. So the the man was there at the cash register with gunpoint. And they were putting money in a bag. And so his girlfriend was just kind of standing there. And she just noticed that they were having a, uh, a giveaway. You just had to register for it. So she decided while she was waiting that she had just registered. She thought, you know, it would be pretty cool if I won. So she filled it out, put her name down, put her address, phone number, and stuck it in the box. Well, they got away, and they were at their house, and about an hour later, the police showed up and arrested them. You know what? You don't really get away with sin. You just don't. Eventually, you're going to get caught. Now, some people make it easy. And other people, it takes a little bit longer. Sometimes you think you're getting away. People looked at David, and maybe David, what he did, he kept it a secret. And maybe the people that knew, they were wondering, it doesn't seem like he's going to get away with this. You may have felt like that. You may, have know, you may know someone that is involved in some terrible sin. And maybe you're thinking, nothing's happening to him. It looks like they're going to get away with it. They may be somebody that's, that's, maybe it's a secret, nobody knows, or maybe it's just public knowledge today. But it just seems like nothing is happening. They're going to get away. You know, Paul reminded Timothy, sometimes, there's always consequence to sin, but sometimes it drags along. It comes, not immediately, but it comes quite a bit later. Now it's been a year, since David's sin with Bathsheba, and it seemed like that he had covered it up. But let me just remind you of some things. Even when it seems like somebody's getting away, they're not. And it's a matter of time before sin catches up with you. And you know what? It's just kind of good for us just to be reminded of that because temptation's always at hand. But let me just remind you of some things. By the way, the Bible tells us book of Numbers, that your sins, be sure of this, your sins will be found out. And let me just remind you of some things that God has, has given us to be able to remind us that you don't get away with sin. So first, God's given us a conscience. Everybody has a conscience. Paul talked about that. I, I mentioned this back in May when we was talking about our graduates. But let me just remind you again, in Romans chapter 2, Verse 14, 15, Paul reminds, he said, you know, you've got people that do not know the commandments, that do not know the law of God, but yet they know right and wrong. And they do what is right. How do they know? How do they do that? Paul says because they have a conscience. God has written His His law upon our hearts. And so we are born with the idea of right and wrong, and our conscience helps us to be able to make right decisions. And I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of people that have tried to warp what right and wrong is in their conscience, but God has given us within us a sense of what right and wrong is. And so you have a conscience. Not only do you have a conscience, but a part of that conscience is also a knowledge, is a desire. To be able to know and to worship God. Now there's some people that say, I don't believe in God. I don't think that He exists. But we see through history, through time, that people have a knowledge of God. There's Throughout time, throughout history, people have always been drawn to worship. They're going to worship something. And you know why? Because within us, we have this desire to be able to, to know God, to honor God. Solomon said, eternity has been placed within our hearts. There's something within us that desires eternal life, that desires God, and to be able to know and to honor Him. And so, now David, he knew God. What's interesting is that he thought that he was getting away with this. He thought that he was keeping this a secret. Now, if you think that you can keep a secret from God, then you really don't know God. Or, you really don't know very much about God. Because the truth is, God is all-knowing. He knows everything. He sees everything. And you cannot. You don't even think a thought. You don't speak a word. That God doesn't know it. And so you don't keep a secret from God. So David did not keep a secret uh, from God. Uh, And so he thought he was, but he didn't. Now, you know, Joseph's brothers, they had sold Joseph into slavery, and they they basically hid that from their dad. And I think that they had thought for a while that they had got away with it. We found out when they went to Egypt and bad things started to happen, they said, oh, God knows. These bad things are happening because of God. He knows about it. And God does it. He did know about it. And God knew about this. And so, part of the reason we don't get away with things, and we know we don't, is because of our conscience. It's also because of our knowledge of God. And if you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit working in your life. The Holy Spirit that lives within you. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 4.30 that when you sin, you grieve the Holy Spirit. You break the Holy Spirit's heart. And when you break His heart, I mean, so when you sin, He, he, uh, he doesn't let you enjoy. As a Christian, you can no longer enjoy sin. You don't get away uh, with sin. And so, the Holy Spirit's there. And by the way, if you're not a Christian, It's the Holy Spirit of God that brings conviction upon your life. It's the Holy Spirit of God that leads you to Christ, that helps you to know that what you're doing is not right. What you're doing is wrong. And so, part of the reason you know your sins are going to be found out is because of your conscience, your knowledge of God. It's the Holy Spirit that's working and moving. Then, let me just tell you something else about David. Although it looked like, maybe to some people, The the people, his inner circle that knew what had taken place, that it looked like he was getting away with this. David wasn't getting away. Just let me remind you of some things that were happening during that year. David actually, what we read here in 2 Samuel chapter 12, after this takes place, David actually writes a couple of Psalms. And so Psalm 32, Psalm 51, Psalm 32 and Psalm 51. Now, if you've never read Psalm 32 or 51, they're two of the greatest psalms that were written. And so, in Psalm 32, David gives us some insight on what was going on in his life. So here's verse 3 of Psalm 32. David says, When I kept silent, my bones grew old, I didn't say nothing. I didn't confess this. I was keeping this sin hidden. I wasn't talking to God about it. And he said, you know what? My bones grew up. It was aging me. Now David's in his 50s when this takes place. That just happens to be where I'm at. And I can understand, you know, uh, there are some times, some days I feel like I'm could, like i young and can just go out and do Act like a young person. And then usually the next day, I'm like, why did I do that? I don't feel so good now. I'm a little bit sore. (laughs) You know, age begins to catch up with you a little bit. But anyway, David said, my bones, they just grow old and I'm hurting physically. And then he goes on, he says, and my groaning is all day long. I mean, I'm in pain and I ache all day day long. And then he says this, for by, for night day and night your hand was heavy upon me. His conscience, his guilt was weighing him down and he felt stress upon his, on his life. And it affected him physically. Can I tell you this? There are people, now I'm not saying everybody that's sick, so don't hear, don't hear me say that, but I am saying this. Some people, the best thing that they can do physically is to be able to get right with God, to confess the sin that's going on in their life. And once they did, they would find their blood pressure. uh, It would be a help to it. Their sugar level, it would be a help. There's a lot of people, the biggest element they have is the sin that they're carrying around, the guilt, That they're hiding from God. And so David had physical problems. He not only had physical problems, but David had emotional problems. And when I'm talking about emotional problems, I'm talking about his emotions. And you you saw that, his conscience. It was bothering him day and night. And listen to this. David says in verse 4, he continues, he says, My vitality was turned into the drought of summer. He said, "In other words, I did not have life. I did not have energy. I did not. I just felt down and depressed all the time. His sin had impacted him, and so David just he just uh, uh, it, it in, impacted his emotions and how he felt in chapter uh, in Psalm 51." Here's what David says in Psalm 51 and verse 12. He talks about his joy. It had, he had lost his joy. He had no joy in his life. In chapter 14, or verse 14 of chapter 51, he, he mentions about a song. And David, he wasn't, he, he, you know, David wrote the Psalms. He was a person that was a magician and sung all the time, but he didn't want to sing now. His song was gone. He was no longer a happy person. It affected him. It affected his emotions. Then it affected him spiritually. There in Psalm 51, you know what he says? He said, Lord, please create in me a clean heart. David felt dirty. He just felt dirty. He just, you know, sometimes you go outside and you work and you come in and you can just you see the dirt on you. David, although he took a bath. Look clean on the outside. On the inside, he just felt filthy. He felt dirty. And so, David was, was hurting. In Psalm 51, he uses three words to describe his sin. There in Psalm 51, he uses the word transgression. Transgression means a person that basically is a rebel, that breaks the laws of God. And here, did you notice that when Nathan in chapter 12 here of of 2 Samuel was confronting David, he said, you've despised the commandments of God. You've despised them. You know what James says? James says, if you've broken one of the commandments, you've broken them all. Because they go together. And so he felt dirty and he had transgressed against the law of God. Also the word is used, iniquity. Iniquity, it means this, it means going crooked. We're to go on a straight line or a straight road. And so when you have iniquity, it means that you've gone astray. You've kind of gone your own way. You've gone crooked, twisted. And that's how David, he said, I bet this wasn't your plan. This wasn't how you wanted it. God, I have just taken off and went a different way than what you went. And so David said, I've gone crooked. Then he uses the word sin. And it is a word that basically means to miss a mark. That God has certain standards and we've just not met those standards. It's kind of like whenever you're shooting an arrow, trying to hit the the your bullseye, and you just don't get there. You fall short. And David just says, I've fallen short where I was happening, what was happening. And so all of this, think about this. This is what's going on inside of David. His conscience, his guilt. He just knows who God is and he's kind of looking, okay, is God? He can't be happy with me. And so David, the Holy Spirit, he senses there's something that's happened. He's lost God's presence and favor upon his life. And so he feels dirty physical problems, emotional problems I mean it's hard to be able to be the king and make these decisions with all that's going on and so some people might say, boy David's getting he's getting away with this no And you know some people there may be somebody listening that can actually relate you might be saying there's people thinking that I'm so that I'm really getting away and having a lot of good uh, fun and And it's not fun living in sin. It's not fun where I'm at. I'm miserable. And although people think, oh, you're happy and you're joyous and you're celebrating, I'm broken hearted. And that's where David was. And yet he just felt like I can't tell anybody. I've got to continue to pretend and just go through this. What an awful place to be. Where you're just pretending to be happy. Pretending to go through life. But you're not really functioning and you're not really living. And that's where David was. That brings us then to where chapter 12 takes place. David, he's hurting. Seems like for a year he's got away with it. And then God sends Nathan. We talked about how Nathan, what kind of courage he must have had. But Nathan was a friend of David's. He was a person that cared about him, that truly loved him. And you know when you love somebody, you've got to share the truth, don't you? Wounds from a friend can be trusted. David had people around him. He's a king that wouldn't tell him anything but compliments. you got to have somebody that's going to be able to tell you the truth. God, maybe it was that Nathan noticed there's just something not right about David. Maybe he started praying for him. And then God started just revealing to Nathan. Nathan began doing some investigating and he realized what David had done. And then God had put it upon his heart. You've got to do something. I'm sending you. And Nathan began praying on what he needed to do. And so Nathan thought of a creative way to be able to get his attention. And so Nathan comes. David's glad to see him. And he begins to unfold this story. He tells, he basically it's a parable. But David thinks he's telling him a true story. And he tells him about a rich man that has all these lambs and animals. And then there's a poor man that has one. A visitor comes in. And the rich man takes the poor man's one. And that's what he offers up to that visitor. Well, David, he is just angry. See, isn't it interesting? It's easy for us to be able to look and see someone else's sin and miss our own. And so David is missing what's happening in his life. But he sees the sin of someone else. He said, That's just not right. That guy, he deserves to die. And he's going to have to repay back fourfold. And then he is stunned when Nathan says, David, you are the man. You know what Alexander White said? He said, You should read this passage of Scripture over and over until you sense God say, You're the man, you're the person, you're the one. You're the one that's guilty. We should think about, how do I treat people? Am I fair? Am I honest? Even my family, how do I treat people? Am I seeking to do right? Am I trying to be able to set the right example? You know what's interesting about God's Word? Just kind of like what Nathan had shared. James tells us this, that God's Word is like a mirror. You read God's Word enough and it'll begin to show you where you're at spiritually. If you get serious about spending time with God and His Word, it'll reflect where you're at. You know, there's a lot of people, the reason they don't want to read the Bible regularly is because they don't want to see their spiritual condition. Do you know there's people that will avoid church? They will not watch a service on television. They won't listen to the radio. They don't want to. And you know why? They don't want to know their spiritual condition, they don't want that guilt. That's where David was. And Nathan shares with him, and it was just, it almost floors him. Now, you know what our response is? You know what I like to do? If somebody is going to confront me, I immediately get defensive. I immediately want to be able to say, wait a second, it's not so bad. And I want to compare myself to someone else. But when God is dealing with us, it's not a time of comparison. This wasn't a time for David to bring up comparison. This isn't a time to make excuses. Because David could have said, well, wait a minute, I didn't actually murder Uriah. I mean, I didn't pull the trigger. It wasn't my sword. And he could have... But Nathan is speaking for God. And he points at David and says, You are the man. And then he says, Thus saith the Lord. And then he goes through and he mentions everything that had taken place. It's like, uh uh-oh, God really does know. And he mentions how it unfolded. And by the way, he says, and you committed murder. You didn't pull the trigger, but you had Uriah killed it. You were the one that was responsible. You're guilty. You're guilty. And David couldn't say anything. All of a sudden, his heart's breaking. Because he knows. God said, you've despised my commandments. David, I've loved you. Don't you know? If you needed more, you could have asked. And I would have given you more. I would have blessed you more. But you've despised the very commands of God. Not only have you despised the commands, but David, basically, you've despised me. You've basically said, God, your ways I I, I reject. And you have despised me. Now, what are you going to do? What do you do when you're David and you've been confronted with sin like that? Well, David's response, verse 13, we read it. He says, "I've sinned against the Lord. I'm gu- what can you do? I'm guilty." I think his heart was breaking. And I think he just cried out and he said, "I'm guilty." You want to be healed? You want to be able to be in right relationship with God? You want joy? You've got to come clean. You've got to be able to confess your sin to the Lord. And David acknowledges his sin. Chuck Swindoll said when he was young, he said he had had an infection start off in his foot. He said, it's kind of like a boil that got... Looked like in his foot, and he said uh, his foot sw- had swelled up. And he said it just started looking bad. He said I was afraid I was going to lose my foot. And he said I finally went to the doctor. He said I was a little boy. My parents took me to the doctor. He said they ended up having to lance it. And he said, and all those, all that pus and poison, all that come out. He said it was, ugh. but he said you know what? As it begun to come out, although it hurt where they cut it felt so much better. And that's just how David was. All of this had come out. He had been hiding it. And it just weighted him down. And it was just a relief to get it out. David confesses his sin. but You know, confession is one thing. Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians chapter 7 the difference between godly sorrow and worldly sorrow. It's one thing to be able to be sorry, to say I'm sorry and be sorry because I got caught. To be sorry because someone got hurt. But it's another thing to be sorry because I am really wrong. Because I have injured God. And when you get into Psalm 51, you know what David says? He said, God, it was against you. Against you only that I've sinned. And somebody says, well, wait a minute. What about Uriah? <laughs> what about Bathsheba? The reason we have we know right and wrong is because of God. He's the one that's given us the commandments. David says, you know, Lord, it's really when it boils down to it. It's You. Why do we have our laws? How do we know right and wrong? It's the commandments of God. And that's why David says, God, I have sinned against You. Then, in verse 5 of Psalm 51, David says that, behold, I was born. I was born in iniquity. I was born a sinner. And some people might think, well, he's just making an excuse. He's not making an excuse. Let me tell you what David's saying. You see, beforehand, David thought, I'm the king. People were patting him on the back and praising him. And David said, I deserve. Anything I want. He stepped out of bounds. And now you know what David's saying? I'm just like everybody else. I'm no better. I'm a sinner. Just like they are. I've fallen short of God's grace. I thought that I was up here. That I was just above everybody else. And you know I found out I'm a human being. And I'm no different than anybody else. David's like, Lord, it's against you I've sinned. And I want to turn from it. And if you're going to really be forgiven, repentance has to take place. And that's a turning from sin. And it's a turning to God. And that's what David did. He's like, Lord, restore to me your joy. Help me to have a song again. Let me feel your presence again. Clean me, Lord. Wash me just want to be with you again. David turns, so he confesses his sin. He repents of his sin. Now when a person is truly repentant of their sin, there's a difference in their behavior. There's a difference. You know, they want to make retribution if they can. You remember Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus said, Jesus, if I've cheated anybody, I'll pay back fourfold. Oh, I just want to make things right. Lord, David prayed. He said, Lord, I want to be used by you again. I'm going to tell you something. David, the consequences of his sin was great. Some people think that all sin is the same. That's not true. All sin is the same and that all sin will separate you from God. That's true. All sin is the same and all sin will bring about death. That's true. But all sin's not the same. You know what James 3.1 1 says? It says not everybody should want to be a teacher of, 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 uh, of the Bible. Not everybody should want positions of leadership. You know why? Notice here. He said, David, what you've done has caused a great blasphemy. Why? Because he's the king. And so your sin, it it has had, uh, the ramifications are great. Therefore your judgment's great. See, not all sins are the same because of our influence and our impact. And so, David, this, you're, you're right. It's going to be rough. But by the way, David said, Lord, I just want to be used by you again. Do you know what? Psalm 32 and Psalm 51 has ministered and helped so many people. It's caused so many people to turn back to God that God did use David in in him turning back to the Lord. And whenever a person is serious about repentance, you can tell it in their life, in their behavior, in what they do, that's David. Now, I'd mentioned about Psalm 32. Do you know how Psalm 32 starts off? Let me uh, let me just read Psalm 32, verse one, to you again. Because now I think, in this, this setting of what you know, you'll be able to grasp this. Listen to this. David said, "Blessed, blessed." is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, and whose spirit there is no deceit. David knew what it was like for a year to carry this weight, guilt, dirt around. He had found the Lord's forgiveness. And David said, oh, blessed. Last is the person whose transgression, whose sin is forgiven. The person who is clean. Oh, what a difference. What a relief. He finally had found peace and a happiness. I hope today there's people that are like David and you can find that same type of relief. That same type of blessing and you'll be able to just rejoice and say, oh, last is the person that's cleaned up, that's been forgiven, that's been restored, is back in good graces with God and is able to be in his presence to have his hand upon them again. Let's take a moment. Let's have prayer together.